Amen. He woke me up this morning. Aren't you thankful to be alive today? Amen. Amen. My my dear departed father-in-law used to say when people would say it was good to see him, he said at this stage and age in life, it's good to be seen. Aren't you thankful that you can be seen today? Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. What a great opportunity. I feel the presence of the Lord here today in a very special way. And I believe this is going to be a life-changing moment for somebody. For a short time, would you turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke, the 10th chapter, down toward the end of the chapter, verse 38, 39, 40, and 41, 42. We're going to read from this morning. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Amen. Lord, would you bless your word to our hearts. We know that your word is already anointed. But we need it anointed to our hearts, our ears, our minds. I pray that somehow today I could disappear. And only your voice could be heard from this pulpit. And I pray that you will speak to every individual in this building today. We ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What a wonderful time of worship we've had here this morning. And it has played right into what I feel Uh, in my spirit, have felt most all of this week. My message will be brief today, and it will, in simple story form, I hope, paint for you a very powerful truth. Before us in our text is laid out an amazing message. It's simplicity and economy of words uh, is almost uh, overwhelming because in just five short verses, a picture is painted for us with clarity so that we capture the essence of the moment and we get an idea 
of what happened in that particular setting. The scene that is laid out before us is only given to us in the essentials. A home, two characters, and a situation that evolved in the home. And yet there is a wealth of teaching which can be drawn from this story. It is amazing to me that there is no apparent wrong that is mentioned in this story. There is no evil that has been partaken of and there is no lifestyle of sinfulness that is alluded to and yet there was great poverty that was experienced. Consider with me, if you will, the opportunity that our text presents to us. In this particular setting, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He is on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. It is very possible that he will not come back to Bethany again in his earthly ministry or at least in the position that he is in now. He is on his way and he stops by this house in Bethany that is opened to him. It is ironic to me that Martha opened her home to him and then busied herself with everything but him. It is amazing to me that she would have the openness of heart and the spirit to invite him in, but once he is in, she then busies herself with other things while he evidently ministered to those who were attentive. And as she busies herself about the house, she begins to notice something. She notices the absence of her sister. Mary is nowhere to be found. Where is Mary? Perhaps passing by a doorway, she happens to glance in another room and she sees where Mary is. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, absorbed in everything that he is saying. And when she sees that picture, she is irritated. She is uh, inflamed in her heart and her temper flares a little bit. She gets a little exasperated. Her heart rate increases. Her blood pressure starts pulsing. And her mind starts working. Here I am sweating and toiling and laboring and doing all that I'm doing. And Mary's sitting in there doing nothing. And as it goes, often in situations like that, when you get irritated things tend to go from good to worse in a hurry. And that's where it moved. And soon she had become so exasperated, she couldn't stand it anymore. And so she approaches the Lord and she approaches him in such a flustered and agitated and perturbed mood that she is convinced that he is going to rebuke her sister and put her in her place and make her 
get in the kitchen or wherever Mary had been doing those things that she was doing. She was expecting a rebuke of her sister, but instead she gets a rebuke of herself. He calls her name twice. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but anytime in Scripture you see something mentioned more than one time in a row because the Greek language did not have adverbs or adjectives or as we do to magnify the meaning of something. It would be reiterated to emphasize how important it is that you sit up and pay attention. And in this moment when Jesus looks at Martha and says wistfully, repeating her name, Martha, Martha, trying to gather in her attention and gather in her thoughts. You can feel in the words the anguish and the yearning of the Lord in his tone toward her. Jesus was obviously disturbed by what he saw. He was moved by this woman who stood before him that was a fractured soul. She was spent and spread out in every way you could spread someone out, doing so many things but accomplishing no thing. She was busy, missing something crucial while, while she was preoccupied with the trivial. She was busy doing many things and she missed the main thing. Amen. How could that be? Because this is the woman who invited him in. This is the one who opened the door and made him feel welcome. This is the one who in the spirit of hospitality let him become a part of her family in that setting. And yet here she is, this frustrated, anguished, aggravated, agitated woman that is angry with her sister and disturbed and perturbed about what is happening in her home and nobody seems to be aware of what's going on. You know, it's sometimes humorous how often in life we get to places like that and we think everybody ought to see it and nobody sees it. And the truth is all the time they really are seeing. It's we that are blind. And so in that moment, Jesus pulls back the curtain and he reveals to us the reason for this perturbed and agitated state. It's found in verse number 40 and they're going to put it up in the New English translation so it gives you a, a deeper feeling for what Jesus said to her. But he said in the 40th verse, Martha, the one that is cumbered about much But Martha was distracted. Ah, that's the operative word. She was distracted with all the preparation and all of the doings. And in this state of distraction, she has succumbed to what happens to anybody 
who becomes distracted in their labor. The word cumbered means literally to drag around or to be entangled or to distract. And so Martha, in simple terms, was simply distracted in that moment. She was preoccupied and lost. She was lost to her focus and purpose and and something had happened in her thinking that had caused her to miss the essential thing that was going on in her house. Distractions. One of the major causes of all accidents in America and the world right now. If you look at the statistics, you will discover that 1.6 million crashes happened last year because of distractions. And most of you are probably aware that most of those distractions were the result of texting or talking on the phone. There were 300 and something thousand injuries that were due to distraction. There was a lot of hurt and harm. And we all recognize the, 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 the dangers of distracted driving. We all realize that that's not the thing to do. But do we understand the peril of distracted Living. Do we understand the peril of distracted living? When we cannot put our focus on the main thing, when we are so pulled and we are so caught up. You see, Martha was more caught up in serving Christ than she was in pleasing Him. We can get so caught up sometimes in doing what we call the work of the Lord, that we lose sight of the one that we're working for. And things happen when that happens. Things begin to change. The question is not, are we doing things for him? The question that begs to be answered this morning, is my life pleasing to him? Do I please Him? And discovering what He wants. What He wants from my life. It's amazing how many times in life we do what we want. And that's what gets most of us in trouble. Doing what we want. Martha obviously was a house person and she was obviously good at the household chores. And so that was what she was involved in, thinking that this will make him happy, this will please him, that I am busy in much serving. And I am. But the truth was that her busyness was just a facade for what was going on in her mind and her spirit. And as she began to move down this path of distracted living and distracted working... She was caught up in feeding him, but she was not allowing him to feed her. It is possible as a child of God that we can become so caught up in doing the work of the Lord that we miss the Lord of the work. 
that we get so caught up in making sure that this is done and that's done that the Lord of the house could come and we are oblivious to his presence in the house. Most of you have heard of the Taj Mahal, but many of you have probably not even heard the story or the background. But the Taj Mahal was constructed by one of the princes of India many, many years ago for his beloved wife. He loved his wife more dearly than anything in the world. And so when she passed away, he wanted to build this monument to her. And so they began this building process. But it became more involved and the details became more elaborate. And time went by and years passed. And and finally they came to that moment of finishing And they got to looking around, clearing out the rubbish, and they found this box somewhere lost amid the rubble, and they started to throw it out when somebody recognized that that was the coffin of his wife. That you can get so caught up in the peripheral things of life that you lose sight of the real thing in life, the one thing that you really need To be focused on. We sang just a moment ago. I will lift up mine eyes. And I love how the songwriter put it. Beyond the hills. We're not looking to the hills. Because the hills are just the distractions of life. That try to give us answers that they cannot give. And solve problems that they cannot solve. But when I lift my eyes above the hills. I see the one who inhabits eternity. And he knows all about me and he has the answer to every trouble in my life. Amen. You see the better part, and that's what Mary had captured. That's what she had discovered, the better part. I wish you would underline that in your Bible, the better part. Obviously there were options. There's choices. And the thing is, Mary and Martha both made choices that day when Jesus came into their house. Mary chose the one thing. Martha chose the other. And notice how the story turns out. Martha, who has chosen the many things, the busy things. You know what I've discovered about life? The devil doesn't have to worry about making me bad if he can just keep me busy doing stuff that doesn't matter if he can keep me doing things that have no eternal consequence to them that busyness I'm here to tell you I used to think that deception was going to be the detriment of the last hour. And the Bible speaks clearly about being not deceived in this hour. But I've come to a point in life where I realize that there's something greater than deception that is working in our world right now. And that is distraction. That if we can get, if somehow something can throw us off and and get us off center or or cause us to lose our focus and, and we become so good at doing many things that we miss the one thing that we ought to be doing and we feel like we're pouring ourselves into something when really we're just emptying ourselves for nothing 
Amen. And so here's what I want you to notice. Look at what happens when you get distracted. Number one, when you get distracted in your living, the first thing that happens is you become agitated, aggravated, troubled, upset, anxious. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Worried, stressed. Have I rung your bell yet? When we get distracted, this is what I'm trying to tell you. There are more of us distracted this morning than we want to admit. But the fact is that when those elements start showing up in our life, they are evidence that I have been distracted, that my mind is not really focused on or my energy is not focused on what I really need to be focused on. And because all these other things are pulling on me, that's then that I become agitated. I become irritable. I'm kind of hard to get along with. I have a short fuse. I have a my temper. It shows up and I say things real quickly and I'm quick to cut people off and I do it in righteous indignation on top of that. with my halo tilted a little bit and my wings flapping in the background. The second thing that happens when people become distracted, listen to me, is that they begin to become judgmental of other people around them. You know what most people in church hate? They hurt, they hate anybody that they think might get a discount in living for God. Some of you didn't get that yet. They hate the idea that this guy right here might get by with a little less than what I. He's getting a discount. And so we when we get distracted. Our eyes become on this. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I love all of y'all. But this can become irritating sometimes. This, this can become the point of agitation and tension. I remember years ago, we just had a great event. And I was so excited. We had so many people and had, it, it was just over the top. I was so thrilled until I walked out the gym door and I walked right into a, <clears throat> a fight between some women. All the Holy Ghost just got sucked out of me. Just about, it was like life just sucked out of me. I'm thinking, how could that happen? How could that happen? But I have come to learn that people can be distracted in the holy place. That they can come looking the part and dressing the part. But all the time they're sitting there, they got their little scorecard out and they're looking around. They see somebody get blessed, they think, God, do you know what they did this week? So Martha becomes critical of her own sister, her own blood kin. When you start 
dealing with a judgmental spirit in your life, you listen to this preacher today, you are battling the spirit of distraction in your life. There is nothing the devil would like for you to do more than to get your eyes on humanity and get your eyes off of divinity he would not he, he would like nothing more than you to become so absorbed in my shortcomings that you cannot see his excellence and his mercy and his grace and you become so absorbed in my failure to do what i may supposed to do that you feel like that gives you the right to have the attitude you have that's what happens when you you become critical of others Ooh, hallelujah. Brother Hughes, I thought this was a summer of psalms, a summer of celebrations. I figured you would want to just shout. And I do want to shout. But I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit today is that in this time in life, we are battling a spiritual distraction that is driving, is pulling on people. It's dragging us through stuff we don't need to go through. It's pulling our mind in ways that it doesn't need to go. Listen to me. Don't worry about the person sitting beside you. If, it's, if God extends a little more grace to them and helps them be saved, you ought to shout and rejoice that he was able to save them. But don't look at them and think, well, they haven't done what I've had to do. None of us have done what we ought to do. We're only here by the grace of God today. And we're only here because of His mercy. Yeah. Hallelujah. We don't want anybody getting by with less than what we had to pay. One of the great advertisements of our day is this guy standing at the hotel registry desk signing in and it shows the price that he got for his room and the guy beside him, it shows the price for his room, same room, different price. Oh, you talk about light your fire. We don't like anybody cheating us. We don't like anybody making us pay more. That is part of a distracted world. She measures, listen to me, Martha measured her sister's conduct by her own standard, not the Lord's standard. According to Martha's standard, she ought to be here in the kitchen with me helping get all of the things ready. We've got a guest in the house. But Jesus instead had attracted Mary and she was sitting at his feet. And when Martha came protesting, the Lord said, Oh, Martha, Martha, you missed something here. Thank you for opening your house to me. Thank you for inviting me in. But I need you more than I need what you can do for me. 
I need you to be here where she is at my feet so I can pour myself into you. I want to impart something to you, Martha. And I can't do that while you're out in the kitchen. I can't do that while you're busy here and there doing all this stuff that you like doing and calling it Christianity. I need some time just with you. I need some time just with you. And in such a state of mind, when we're distracted, not only do we become critical, but we blame others, even Jesus, for our unhappiness. Martha goes in there. She sees Mary. She's so unhappy. She's so aggravated. She is so filled with turmoil. And she is blaming others for her own unhappiness. And her own unhappiness is a direct result of that fractured mind of trying to do all things but accomplishing no thing. Of trying to meet everything but doing nothing. It's losing that focus. I wonder this morning in this place how many people in this sanctuary are blaming other people for your problems right now, your trouble, your anxiety, your worry, your unhappiness. And it really is not that person at all. It is the person who is sitting on that pew that refuses to recognize that they've let life stretch them to too many places and too many obligations. I would dare say to you this morning that if you were to have asked Martha before this encounter, she would never have computed nor never considered whether she had forgotten one thing because she was doing many things. And yet she missed the main thing, the one thing. But one thing was more of worth and value than the many things that she was fussing over. This is what happens when we get distracted. The military commander said we lost almost the entire patrol. They lost almost the entire patrol. It was horrific. They were in a setting that required vigilance, but they were glued to some tablets and screens, new devices that are being introduced in the military ranks to help give our soldiers an advantage. And so they're, they're integrating into the military in our times more use of technology so that they can have all of these different things at their disposal. And in modernizing the, the war and bringing technology into war, they're giving soldiers access to information and help and, and, and maps and, and the location of, of possible snipers and so forth. But when, when, when they went into actual battle, they lost almost the entire force because they were all glued to a screen. And nobody was actually watching for any of the enemy. 
none. Now fortunately, that wasn't an actual firefight. It was a simulated fight. But they learned this, and this is what came out of their study. They discovered that a distracted soldier winds up being a dead soldier. And a distracted child of God winds up being no child. Amen. I get, I'm lost to my purpose. I dare say today that people sitting on these pews would not consider what I'm saying is true, but I beg you to think again. This is what happens when we get distracted. We get agitated. We get hard to live with. We get short-fused. We get critical. And then we start passing judgment on others and their actions And then we blame others for what's not working right in our own life. When we become distracted, we allow our irritations with what others are doing to become our focus and not Him. Amen. Here here is what we face today, a distracted world. What is missed when we are distracted? When we're distracted, what do we miss? We lose focus, first of all, of what really matters. What matters today? That we sing on perfect pitch or that we worship the Lord? What matters today? If I'm in my best or if I'm just here in my best? Amen. What matters today? is not some of the things that we have judged life by and we have made that the criteria of success. But the truth is, how much face time has God had with us this week? How much time have we actually spent in His presence? When was I last concerned with pleasing Him? Not with just doing my job. Not with just coming to the office and showing up and doing those things that pastors are supposed to do. But when was the last time I asked myself this question? Is what I'm doing pleasing Him? I sure want it to. But I also know that I deal with those distractions just like you do. Every day, there's a thousand things that pull at us to keep us away from the one thing that we need. Lifting our eyes beyond the hills. You see, when we look up to those mountains, they look so strong and majestic. We think, oh, there's got to be an answer there. But we never can find an answer It's always beyond, beyond. Amen. Peter had come through his failure. I'm closing. You can stand with me. It was after the resurrection. They were by the Sea of Galilee. The Lord had caught them out in the boat fishing again. And finally when they recognized who he was, they hurried to shore and the Bible said he had a fire, he had fish 
And then he goes into this conversation with Simon Peter. Lovest thou me more than these? And Peter quickly responds, Thou knowest, thou knowest that I love you. He asked him again three times. Three times the same basic question. By the third time, it was obvious that Peter was feeling the the anxiety of the moment. And finally he answers, Thou knowest that I love thee. And immediately upon the heels of this deep encounter with the Lord. This is how fragile our, our, our ability to be distracted is. Immediately on the heels of this deep interchange between Simon and Jesus, he looks around and he sees one of those other guys after the Lord had told him what was going to happen to him. And he said, well, but what about him? But what about him? But what about him? And the Lord had to remind him, Peter, that's not what your worry is. Your concern, your concern must be in pleasing me. Your concern must be in doing, finding those things. I love the way one translation describes Mary. It says Mary discovered the good part. She discovered. She searched until she found the best. I believe there is that same kind of of spiritual discovery that needs to go on in us continually. Lord, I want to please you, but am what but is what I'm doing right now really pleasing you? I know I'm busy. I'm busy. We're busier than we've ever been. Who's not busy today? And yet in my busyness, am I really doing what I need to be doing in this The peril of a distracted life is that you can become critical and caustic. You can become anxious and worried and troubled and stressed. Look at what he said. You're careful. You're anxious. You're divided. You're troubled. The word really means crowded. Life has just crowded in. And in that crowding, it has pushed out the one thing that is needful. One thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, the psalmist said. He discovered something that you and I must rediscover. And this is the real tragedy of distraction. One of the sentences in the parable of the sower says that the sower went forth to sow and his seed fell among thorns. And the Bible said that it grew up 
but it was not fruitful because of all of the competition in the soil. The weeds and the brambles and the briars were sucking up the nutrients. And so there was, there was this attempt, but it never could come to fruitfulness. Why? Well, the reason is from the very beginning, it was occupied soil. Too much was already there for the seed to be able to do its good work. Listen to me, church, and I'm going to close. But the reason sometimes the Word of God doesn't do anything more than excite us is because there's too much competition in our life. There's too much competition. There's too many other things pulling on us. And so the seed may come to us, but it doesn't produce in us what God intended for that seed to produce in us. Distracted. Distracted. Amen. I feel a deep presence of the Lord here, and I know this is not a typical Sunday morning message, but I have felt this all week and tried to get away from it and go in a different direction, but the Lord would not allow I'm telling somebody here this morning that there are things in your life right now that are draining your spiritual potential. They're draining your spiritual potential. The seed is there. God is planting. He is putting that. But there's so much other, there's so much clutter, so much competition in the soil that it can never come to fruition. And people get frustrated and want to know why, why am I not producing fruit? Maybe it's because there's too much competition. There was a drain on the land before the seed could ever begin its work. And I am believing this morning that the Holy Ghost is talking to us that perhaps in some of us there is a drain that is sucking out the vital nutrients that are needed to cause the great harvest that God wants to produce. I believe God is calling a life back from distraction this morning. I believe the Lord is going to give some of us an opportunity to come to His feet for a little while and help Him sort out our mind and our spirit all that agitation and aggravation and all the judgmental stuff that goes on, comparison that goes on in life. God's going to give us an opportunity here at an altar to help Him sort all of that out and help us get our eyes focused again on what really matters. I would ask everybody in this building to join with me this morning. I know some of you may not, but I would ask everybody in this building Come join me here at the altar. I believe God's going to give us an opportunity for our minds to be washed and our spirits to be cleansed. I believe God's going to give us an opportunity for Him to help reorient and reorder our priorities in the Lord. God, today, I am believing You. I am believing You today. 
God, you're going to give me a clean heart. You're going to help me clean up all of this ground. I need to, I need to do some work on the ground today, God. I need to do some work in my own heart this morning. I need to do some work in my own spirit. God, help me to get my eyes on the things that, that really matter, the things of God. The things of the kingdom, that's what my eyes need to be upon. Not on people, not on the failure of other people, not on what others may not be doing. But help me, God, to get my eyes upon the things that matter with you. Lord, you're not looking for my busyness. You're looking for my submission. You're looking for me to humble myself before you today, Lord. You're looking for me to simply surrender my heart and my life to you. God, I believe that you are calling us back from a life of distraction to a centered life of the needful things, of the needful things, of the essential things. God, I don't want anything in my life that would take away from, that would stop the work of your Spirit in my life. If there's anything in my heart that's unlike you, help me to get it out today. Help me to move it out. Help me to get my eyes back on you and off of people. Help me, God, to stop looking around and start looking up. You're my strength. You're my help. You are my God today. You're my one and only friend and Savior. Help me, God, today. Help me, God, today. To get away from that crowded life that I've been living. Oh, God, to get my focus back on that one thing, that one thing that is needful, that thing that is needful, that thing that is needful. What is needful today, God? You want my attention, Lord. You want my attention more than you want my service. Not that my service is wrong, Lord, but you want my attention. God, you want my eyes to be upon you. You want my eyes to be fixed upon you. 